Climate change and pollution are among the factors reducing biodiversity, with damage to society and the economy as a result. The topic is certainly getting more attention, and it's safe to say that this is one of the perhaps unexpected consequences of the pandemic. It has certainly made all of us think much more globally than we did in the past, not only about healthcare issues, but also about the environment. We think about how problems and opportunities affect all of us, and not just the town or the city that we live in. Today, I talk with Robert-Alexandre Poujade, ESG analyst at the Sustainability Center of BMP Paribas Asset Management. Robert-Alexandre warns not to underestimate the consequences of biodiversity laws. And he underscores the role that investors can play in the battle to contain and reverse current trends. So if we think about biodiversity, Robert-Alexandre, I'm going to start maybe with a fairly simple question uh, for our listeners who might not be as familiar as you are with the topic. So what is biodiversity all about? And also we see a discussion around biodiversity loss. What is it exactly? Because biodiversity loss has been around for a long time, uh, but maybe what has really changed is the attention that we're giving to it. Yeah, so hello everybody. So yeah, I mean, just to, to, to understand what we're talking about today, uh, we can maybe go back to 1922 when uh, uh, the Convention on Biological Diversity in Rio uh, defined biodiversity as the, the variability among living organisms from all sources, including uh, terrestrial, marine, and other aquatic ecosystems and the ecological complexes of which they're part. So just to sum up, that means diversity within species, between species, and of ecosystems. So uh, now today, when we talk about biodiversity loss, of course, uh, I guess we've been all living on planet Earth lately and seeing all the, uh, you know, BBC Earth documentaries and looking at all those those uh, those reports, which are very uh, uh, picturing a gloomy um, future for us. And, and that's the reality, right? That's the reality that uh, there is an unprecedented rate of, of biodiversity loss. Uh, people are calling, uh, like scientists are calling this the, the, the six max uh, extinction event because the last one was the, you know, the dinosaur, uh, you know, extinction uh, millions of years ago. Um, so the, the rate uh, of extinction is, is really, very fast. And this is just, uh, you know, scientific uh, uh, evidence from from IPBES. Uh, so may, maybe worth also talking about what IPBES is. Uh, it's uh, the Intergovernmental Science Policy Platform on Biodiversity and Ecosystem Services. Uh, so it's established by states, you know, to really reinforce the the the, the science policy interface uh, for biodiversity and ecosystem services. So basically, kind of the equivalent uh, of the uh, IPCC. Uh, for for climate, but for biodiversity and ecosystem services. So, as investors and as all uh, different stakeholders, we rely on IBES to show us the the latest science, to show us the latest findings. And uh, these are gloomy findings I was mentioning because today the, the, there are many drivers of, of biodiversity loss. Of course, there are indirect drivers um, uh, from the impact of our economy, but uh, they like you know, conflict, epidemics, demographic, social, cultural uh, behavior. But there are direct drivers, and this uh, the IBES uh, is really uh, educating us, uh, investors, and, uh, and and others on what are the direct drivers of biodiversity loss. 
So if we, I can maybe speak really fast of, of those ones, because I think it's really important for, for all of us to, to have those in mind. Basically, there are like five direct drivers of biodiversity loss. So the first one is one of the biggest uh, driver is land and sea use change. So you would you would see in that you know uh, deforestation, for example, because when you convert uh, the forest ecosystems into a different ecosystem uh, like uh, agricultural production, uh, there is there is obviously a big impact on on biodiversity. If I if, if I just use the forest example, you know they they are. Uh, receptacle of 80% of uh, terrestrial biodiversity. So, of course, uh, cutting a forest, uh, you know, has huge impacts on terrestrial biodiversity. The the other, uh, you know, uh, another direct driver is uh, obviously a direct exploitation of species. So, there you would see, uh, we can think of, for example, of the, the fish stock decline. You know, we've been uh, eating a lot of fish and, and uh, really... Uh, uh, a lot of fishes are at the at either overexploited or at the maximum withdrawal rate uh, on 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 those stocks. So that that's another example of the of the, the, the human pressure on that we're putting on 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 species. Uh, the third driver of biodiversity loss is climate change, and and here you can see the intercorrelations between climate change and biodiversity loss, of course, because uh, so. We need to fight uh, against climate change and we need to do that also to tackle biodiversity loss. So there is a lot of interlinkages between the two, the two dimensions. The fourth uh, driver of biodiversity loss is uh, forms of pollutions. So we can include there, you know, plastic pollution. We can include there different types of pollution that are uh, affecting uh, ecosystems. You know, plastic pollution for marine ecosystems uh, and marine biodiversity. You, you've seen a uh, very, uh, very much the, the the plastic epidemic, let's say, and all the, the different oceans have a very high rate of microplastics. Uh, even the Arctic keyboards were found in the Mariana Trench. You know, 11 kilometers depths. So this is the reality of, of the the huge pollution today on on the oceans, for example. And the fifth one is is invasive alien species. Uh, which is kind of hard to tackle from an, an investment perspective and, and, and to act on it um, because uh, uh, it's something a little bit less documented today, even though there's been a huge uh, improvement on, on understanding the cost for the economy of invasive alien species and, and the impact they are having on biodiversity. If we could actually pick up on the last point that you made about the economic impact, Robert-Alexandre, what is the link? I mean... In the abstract, we can think about the laws of species and extinctions, but how do we get the connection to the potential economic implications? Yeah, sure. So there's been a lot of reports uh, showing uh, like the huge dependency of the economy on the healthy biodiversity. So, uh, well, if we if we think about the first the, the value uh, that biodiversity and ecosystems are are bringing to our economy, th- it has been estimated. Uh, to be uh, $125 trillion each year. So that's based on the uh, you know great work of uh, the economist Costanza. But there's been so many different reports like the Dasgupta review, the, the, the late Dasgupta review uh, from um, that has been commissioned by the, the UK government this year, is showing that we, we are uh, relying on a healthy biodiversity and more than 55% of, of the global GDP uh, is relying on a healthy biodiversity. 
So there is, it's another incentive to, to protect what, what is out there, of course. And if you see uh, also from a, an, a sustainable development goal perspective, you know, uh, there are like 17 development goals that states and uh, the private sector are, are trying to, to, to achieve. Uh, so access to better food, access to energy, access to uh, health, you know, all, all those are SDGs and I'm sure you're familiar with those. Well, biodiversity loss is threatening 80% of the achievement of, of uh, the SDG sub-targets related to poverty, hunger, health, uh, oceans, and land. So there's the economic part, there's the social uh, the, the social part, of course, and, and which are uh, obviously need to be addressed uh, by tackling uh, biodiversity loss. Um, so if we go back to figures, let's say, and understand maybe with more concrete terms uh, of what ecosystem services are, for example, and what they provide to, to our economy, uh, well, we can think about, you know, for example, forest as a filtration system for, for water. Uh, we can think about you know, uh, like medicines that are found in also in uh, in in either the ocean uh, or uh, through algae, for example, or through through plants. So we need a lot of diversity to uh, even from a COVID perspective to protect uh, our health and and find and find new new medicines. Um, same with the soil for farming, of course. If you don't have a good soil quality, well, you that will affect your your uh, agricultural uh, yields. So this is why, for example, from a, uh, a biome perspective, uh, so a biome is, is like uh, uh, the Cerrado in, in Brazil or the Amazon in Brazil, so those are biomes. Well, if there is a, a certain rate of deforestation in those biomes, that could uh, change uh, the whole uh, water system in those biomes and then affect the water that can be used or can be available for uh, the agriculture. And that will ultimately affect the, the GDP of the whole country, which is uh, relying on, on, on agriculture. So this is the chain of events. And uh, if we uh, think about, for example, the I mentioned the $125 trillion of you know, the, the annual value that uh, those ecosystem services are providing to our economy. But if you think about the Mexican mangrove, that would be uh, 70 uh, billion uh, that would be provided uh, to uh, to the economy uh, each year. Uh, and that would be including, you know, storm protection, fisheries resources, or ecotourism. So this is what we are, we are talking about. Um, and, and, and those services need to be really protected. Somebody see them as free, but they are not free. Uh, we, if we think about pollination, for example, this is one of the, the most topical examples for, for, to talk about uh, the, the reliance on our economy and on agriculture and food production on, on ecosystem services. We use pollination. You know, uh, there's a, uh, the, the stat is that, you know, the pollinators play a key part in the global food production. It's estimated by 5 or 8% of global food production. Well, if you don't have pollinators, well, you know, this, that will be uh, the equivalent uh, is really, is really uh, easy to do. Then you will just lose the, this part of the global food production. So there's a big incentive to, to protect uh, bees and other pollinators uh, uh, that people see them as a, as a free service today. And if you are an almond uh, Californian producers, you know uh, they are not free, right? Uh, because you have to import that by, uh, by trucks each year to, to do the pollination of, or your almond trees. 
Thank you, Robert Alexandre. That was really helpful to understand the connection between the concept of biodiversity and the economic impact. Uh, let's maybe take it one level further and, and think about the investment industry. It's, it's becoming more and more of a relevant topic for asset managers. And I believe that uh, BNP Paribas Asset Management has even published its own biodiversity roadmap. Uh, Perhaps you can explain to us what that is exactly, and also more broadly, what can asset managers do about all of this? Yeah, sure. I think the, there there is a big momentum from an investment perspective on the, on this topic. Uh, I'm I'm gonna just step back a second and say that the Benpe Paribas Group has also released this month a, a position. Uh, on on biodiversity, so there is a, a big alignment. You know, either the the group on the financing side, for example, and us on the investment side, uh, on on this topic, and and we are very vocal about it because, of course, of the of the the issue and what is at stake. What I just described, you know, a million species at risk, and 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 you know, the risk for our economy and for our, also our returns. Um, But but yeah, so that that was the context. So what what it means for us, uh, you know, as investors, how we can approach this topic? Uh, well, we 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 just released our biodiversity roadmap and announced also a partnership with uh, with CDP, uh, which is a um, uh, like an uh, a data working on on improving the data on biodiversity. So we we want to play a role there and, and push for more uh, corporate disclosure. On those topics, because today there is a data gap, uh, which means that it's it's difficult to to understand uh, the the risk and opportunities for our portfolios related to biodiversity, uh, since we lack some of the the, the measurement or, or the data that we can find on other topics, for example, on to, to understand our, our climate change risk, let's say, uh, or or carbon risk. Uh, there are more data uh, which which are relying on. Uh, on a, a more accounting principles for, for carbon. For example, the greenhouse gas protocol is instrumental in that. Well, we, we don't have all that on biodiversity. So there's, uh, there's a lot of initiatives to, to, uh, to improve the, the quality of the data on, on the biodiversity side. Um, so that was um, just to talk about the, the CDP partnership that we announced. And, and, and then if I, if I now uh, touch upon our, our roadmap, so Why did we do roadmap? Because we we wanted to to put some clarity to our stakeholders and and to you that, that are listening to, so that you could understand what we want to do, uh, what are our expectations, and what are our what is our journey uh, going to 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 be like. Um, so we have basically um, used our. Uh, our global sustainability strategy, which is something which underpins everything we do uh, around sustainability at uh, at Paris Asset Management, and we have you know developed the biodiversity roadmap inside the the six pillars of what we call sustainable investment. So it's a 42 page document that I invite you to read. Uh, but basically, the the highlight is that uh, we we want to include more biodiversity into our approach to easy integration. You know, ESG is environmental, social, and, and governance. So what does it mean? It means that, uh, for example, on carbon, uh, we have uh, uh, tried to understand the, the carbon intensity of, of our portfolios and the portfolio managers, they, they know, they, they have like guidelines to have a, a lower uh, carbon uh, intensity or respective to their, their benchmark, for example. Well, this is something that we want to continue also for other dimensions. So for example, on water, Forests on biodiversity. Uh, these are things that uh, portfolio managers should include more 
uh, when they assess risk and opportunities. So we have uh, started a big program to uh, to, to discuss uh, those issues uh, with them. And uh, maybe also worth mentioning that we have um, an investment community of, um, of what we call ESG champions in either the portfolio manager's side or also the, the sales or, or client-facing uh, people, uh, which are really assisting us uh, in the sustainability center, uh, which is the team I'm part of, uh, to really deploy the strategy within, uh, within our funds and within uh, our uh, how we, we speak about those issues. The other big big part, which I think is of, of course super interesting uh, for discussion today, is is how we incorporate biodiversity in the in our corporate engagements. Um, so this is the you know the so-called the stewardship piece. So we, as part of individual engagement, we already talk, uh, for example, last year with thirty-five you know companies on either forest or biodiversity issues. So pushing for more traceability in the soy and beef uh, industry, pushing for more adoption of biodiversity strategies in the financial sector, for example, with some banks or, or uh, in, in the chemical industry. Uh, so that's something that we do. But there are another angle uh, on the stewardship study is what we call the collaborative engagements. So it's when you know investor collides with other investors and you know, adding uh, uh, trillions of uh, assets under management to push for more disclosure or adoption of practices. Well, we want to do that also on biodiversity. And you might be aware of one of the the most visible uh, collaborative engagement today on climate called Climate Action 100 Plus, uh, where basically us and other investors talk with the 100 highest uh, emitters of greenhouse gas emissions in the world. Um, well, I think this is something uh, very, uh, you know, interesting because of the, it's a very high level, let's say, coalition. Well, it might be good to do the same on, on nature and push for more disclosure and, and adoption of uh, good uh, policies also on biodiversity. So we want to be active there. And another part, I think, is also on the policy making to try to influence like the achievement of a very good uh, targets at, uh, at the international event, which is very important, which is called COP15 uh, at the end of this year in Kunming in China. Well, we, we hope there's going to be a, an agreed target to reduce biodiversity loss at this event. So we will push for a right level of ambition. Uh, so this is something important to keep in mind. Uh, another, I think, topic, which is which is uh, also when I talked that the group, Benpe Paribas group, has put a lot of efforts uh, on this topic. Well, we, we rely also on them uh, to define, you know, what we call the sector policies. So there are some sectors with key biodiversity risks. We can mention the agricultural policy, for example. Uh, well, so we will we will need to continue our going review of those sector policies and embed biodiversity uh, over time. There is another uh, angle, which is uh, how we talk about that and how we understand those issues uh, in the investment community. Well, I think the podcast today is uh, is a good uh, testament of, of that. It's also our role, you know, to to talk about those issues and to give more visibility to biodiversity. And so, yeah, there is a podcast, there is video, but it's also a range of you know, uh, private and public partnerships and collaboration initiatives that uh, we participate in. Uh, I think it's it's uh, it's also our, our role as what we call our future maker. We, we we see ourselves as future makers and not future takers. Well, so this is uh, this is uh, what I was meaning by this is our role as as investors. 
Um, and and then you know there are the, the last two angles uh, of the roadmap would be uh, how we provide clients with solutions, targeting at solving biodiversity challenges. So you will see uh, funds uh, that are relating to that, but I won't spend too much time talking about about those. Uh, and, and finally, we need to work the talk. Uh, right, uh, because uh, I don't know if you you've seen all the the plastic, uh, the single plastic phase outs uh, as it you know, has been in in the uh, Paris office here, and there's been a lot of efforts in all our offices in the world. So that's you know uh, some way that we can uh, increase employee awareness on biodiversity issues by by showing that we try to be uh, as as good as possible also on on reducing our our direct footprint on on biodiversity also working on you know our internal zero waste target so that's also important in our, in our roadmap I would like to thank today's guest Robert Alexandre Poujade ESG analyst at the Sustainability Center of BNP Paribas Asset Management for his time and his insights This podcast about biodiversity laws was offered to you by BNP Paribas Asset Management. For more information, please check out the BNP Paribas Asset Management website, bnpparibasintermediate-am.nl. For more articles and podcasts on thematic investing, please visit the special sections dedicated to thematic investing on the websites of Fonts News and Investment Officer. Check out fondsnews.nl if you are based in the Netherlands or if you are based in Belgium, please visit investmentofficer.be. This podcast presentation includes a discussion on current market events and is not intended as investment advice or an offer of products or services by BNP Paribas Asset Management. Please keep in mind that the information and analysis in this presentation is only current as of the publication date.